Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Well, good morning. How are you all? You can just tell me how you're doing right now. No. <laughs> um, I think if I really could ask you right now how you're doing, you would be like, what every answer I am getting is, um, I'm really busy, it's Christmas. Right, um, and so I think that's like the common the common answer. Um, and Christmas uh, brings with it a lot of things for people. It brings pain with it. It brings busyness. It brings um, all kinds joy. You know, I, I mean, I love Christmas. I love snow. I love my three Christmas trees in my house. I do, and Mel hates dragging them down every year, but he does it. Um, And so, but I will tell you that I love this series because Christmas is supposed to be a time that we prepare our hearts and we focus on why we even celebrate. And I think it's super easy to get distracted on, of course, all the commercialism. and, And I love beautiful, our little cute Hallmark town that we have, and that it's so cute and decorated. Like, I love all of the beauty that comes with Christmas, but the true beauty is in that Jesus Christ came, and that is why we celebrate. And so, um, a few weeks ago at Thanksgiving, I didn't ask her for permission to share this, so Rachel, I apologize in advance, but Rachel's from Uganda, and she is an amazing human being, and all of you need to know her. Um, but she is here doing her doctorate at IUP, and um, she, I was asking her, she was over at our house for Thanksgiving, and I said, what has been the hardest adjustment for you um, being here in America? And she said, everything is so fast. And she said, I am a fast person. But she said, but when I moved here, everybody just moves at this fast pace and they don't stop and we need more coffee and we need more energy. And she said, it's been exhausting just to be in the midst of such a fast moving place. And you would think that Indiana PA, right, wouldn't be um, what someone would consider fast pace, but I don't know, I've just been reflecting on it, especially as Christmas comes, that what, are, what am I missing out on because I am so busy, because I am so fast-paced? What am I missing in this season that I'm supposed to be remembering? And that is that Jesus Christ came and that, that this is a season of preparing my heart um, for the future, but also remembering what he's done for me. And so I love this series because it causes us to remember and it causes our faith to rise. And so my prayer is that even if you're not able to be here for all of these messages, that you would go back and listen to them. Um, Mel already kind of gave the background for where this passage was started but uh, and where the Israelites were at 
at this time in their lives. And I'm going to read Isaiah 9, 6, um, the verse that we are focusing on for this whole series. Um, But like he said, this was a nation without hope. Uh, They had impending wars. They had a a large, massive enemy that was gaining power. And they didn't really know what was going to happen. Right? They had no clue how things were going to turn out. They thought that either God had abandoned them, that he had forgotten them, or that he just didn't care. And so that's where the Israelites were at this point. They had no hope. And so Isaiah comes with this prophetic word, and he says to them um, in Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so that he came to bring this message of hope. Hey, I know you feel forgotten right now. Hey, I know you feel like God may be abandoning you, but, but there's good news coming. He's going to be sending a Messiah, and he's going to be the counselor that you need and bring the wisdom that you need. He's going to be the mighty God and the warrior that you need. He's going to be the prince of peace that is going to cease um, striving and, and conflict, and he is going to be the everlasting father that you need. But here's the deal. When he gave this prophetic word, do you know how long the Israelites then waited for the Messiah to actually come? 700 years. So this word comes, this message of hope, and then they waited for 700 years. Has anyone in this room been alive for 700 years? No? Okay, good to know. Um, But how many of you feel like you've been waiting for something and it feels like it's been 700 years? Thank you for being honest, Julia. You're like the first one. Um, So I think just as much as this passage applies to them, it applies to us today. So I'm going to focus on what mighty God means for us Mighty in the the dictionary would mean possessing great and impressive power or strength, especially on account of size or stature. Um, But the word in the Hebrew in this passage, mighty God, is El Gabor. And I love the meaning of this word. So when Isaiah, so when Isaiah would have been prophesying this to them, the um, Israelites took a lot of um, importance in and value in names. Names were of highest importance to them. And so when he was giving these names of what the Messiah would be called, it had weight and it had value to them. And so I love what the name El Gabor means. It could be rendered God is warrior or God is mighty. So when he was telling the Israelites, hey, I know that you are without a... um, a military force that's super strong right now. I know that you have a king that is making some really poor decisions, um, but I am going to send you a mighty warrior. I am going to send you a mighty, mighty God. And so it speaks of his uh, military might, for no enemy will be able to prevail against him. 
He has the power to deliver, and that's what Isaiah was prophesying to them. Uh, also, the, the word El is used here for God, and often in Scripture, the word Elohim is used. And so when they would have heard the word Elohim, it actually referred to God or any human being that God uh, used uh, for his purposes, but he specifically used the word El here, and they only used this word uh, when they were talking about absolute 100% deity. So when he was saying to them, hey, you're going to get a mighty God, he was saying, you're getting the only God. You're getting the only mighty God. He is the mightiest among the mighty. There's some other passages where we see this specific word L used for God. We see it in Jeremiah 32:18. And it says, "You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of fathers to their children after them. O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts." Zephaniah 3:17 says, "The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness." He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Psalm 24, 8 says, Who is this king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle? I don't know about you, but I need a mighty warrior. And the only, um, the only time that I realize I need a mighty warrior is when I realize that I'm not it. I think so often I play the God card in my own life. I play the role of king, the role of God, and the only times that I can acknowledge that I actually need a mighty God is when I determine that I'm actually pretty weak, right? That when I need a savior and the hope of the world to come in. So I don't like to admit that I am weak. I mean, no one really does, right? And I really don't like to admit that I'm physically weak, right? So I'm 41 now. I'm in denial a little bit still that I'm 41. Um, and I have had to come to the place where I've realized, like, I probably need to start, like, toning up and lifting weights um, because my doctor says that it's good for your bones, all of those things. You know, like, you're getting older, Kim. These are the things that need to be happening in your life. So for five years, um, I've been working out with our missions pastor, Steph McCoy, who also has a degree from IUP in exercise science, right? She studied for four years to know how to train people to be physically fit. But so often I would go to the Y, and let me just preface this with, we've been working out for five years sporadically. <laughs> we'll say that, very sporadically. Um, Randy and all the Y employees that come to our church know it's sporadic for Steph and I. But... Um, but we, um, we recently, so I had my emergency surgery in May, and I ceased all working out until like around Thanksgiving time, and we decided it was time to get back to the gym, time to get fit. And so um, normally when we go to the gym, I'm like, Steph, you know, give me a plan. 
Like, tell me what to do. You're, you're the one with the degree. Like, show me the way. Um, and I was a former athlete, but uh, when you're 41 and, and you've been out of college for 20 years, it's time to admit that you're no longer an athlete. <laughs> so I was once a college athlete. I am no longer an athlete. And so we go to the gym. Steph, give me a plan because I want to get strong, right? Okay, Kim, here's the plan. Hmm. Well, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to go to the treadmill. <laughs> this is our every day at the gym. Steph, show me what to do. Tell me how to get strong. Hmm, nope, I don't want to do that. So um, a few weeks ago, actually this last week we went, and I surprised her, and I'm like, Steph, show me what to do. And she's like, Kim, you're just going to, like, Tell me that, and then you're not going to do what I want you to do. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really going to do it this time. So to her surprise, I did. I obeyed her rules, and I thought she was going to kill me, like physically, like I thought I might die. No, but, and some of you were at the gym. I love going to the Y because it's like, oh, hi, Pastor Kim. Hi! Hi. hi. Good to see you guys. Um, you know, but, so lifting weights, and I'm like, like, I can't do it, Steph, you know. And while, meanwhile, my, Kendall, my cousin, Kendall Kersey, who's on our staff now and plays the guitar, is like this CrossFit, you know, pro and is like lifting weights like they're, you know, pieces of cake. Um, but I'm like, it hurts, right? I, I, and so I obeyed her rules and I followed her rules, and I'm still going to continue, and you can hold me accountable to that. Um, but what I had to come to the point of was, I am not the exercise professional. And so if I want to get fit, I need to seek help from someone who knows how to get fit. And so, so often when we go to the gym and be like, Steph, tell me how to get fit. No, I don't want to do that. I'm going to take that back for myself. But I realized that I do that with God too. Hey God, I need to be delivered in this thing. Or God, I need um, you to help me with this thing. And then when he gives me instruction, I'm like, yeah, but I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna go through that, God. And so I take back that card and I play God in my own life. So I can't recognize that I need a mighty God until I acknowledge that I'm not it and that I need him. The first thing I want to talk to you tonight about is mighty God and the waiting. So here are the Israelites. They've been waiting for 700 years. And so we think, man, was God just a cruel God that he would make them wait 700 years? And it would be easy to step back and think that, right? That, that he would give them this prophetic word, but yet there would be a waiting period that that would be that long. But it was the hope of a future king. It was the faith that they were then infused with that kept them um, and sustained them during some of the darkest times in their lives. And so sometimes in our waiting periods, it can feel like, God, have you abandoned me? Have you forgotten me? Have you just walked out on me? Do you not care about me? Um, it could actually be that he is just wanting you to put some faith 
in action, right? He's wanting you to remember, hey, there is a hope coming and you can't see me working, but I'm working. And I, as I was preparing this message, I have to be honest with you, I struggled preparing this message. Because I know too many of your stories. Not too many. It's a burden that we get to bear as your shepherds, right? I know some of you are battling cancer. I know some of you, your family members, are battling cancer. I know some of you just lost loved ones this week. So I'm like, Lord, I'm about to get up and preach on how mighty you are. But can I just be honest and say, God, I need you to remind me how mighty you are. Because I'm about to get up on a stage and talk to people who are in deep pain. They're waiting. They don't see you moving. But yet I'm going to declare that you're a mighty God. And so these are just the things that he began to show me and speak to me. And it's all found and rooted in scripture and, and what I know to be true about him. I mean, we all hate waiting. Is there anyone in this room that likes waiting? Please raise your hand. There was actually someone last night that raised their hand. It's like, sir, can you come up here and preach this message? <laughs> it must be Jesus. I don't know. He was bold in raising his hand, and he knows English. He heard me. <laughs> None of us like waiting. Right? We live in America where we can get everything instantly. Right? We love Amazon Prime. How many of you love Amazon Prime? Yes. I love ordering something and knowing it's going to be here in just a few days. I love Target. I do. And I know some of you have never been there. And I'm, I'm just, you're missing out. Actually, you're saving a lot of money. Sarah and Bill Kuchma, leaders of FP, would be really proud of you for not going to Target. But we, there's not a target here. But you know what? They have next day delivery that's free to Indiana. So if you order by 7 p.m., it's here the next day. It's beautiful. I know. I'm going to get some of you in trouble. I love curbside pickup at Giant Eagle. It makes me want to dance, and I don't dance. I love it. I love Things coming in an instant, right? We are an instant culture. We don't like to wait for anything. I think if the, you know, we can be real critical of the Israelites because we see them like get delivered and then they, they see God actually do these amazing miracles on their behalf. They see him part the Red Sea like we haven't seen that, you know? And yet then they go back to their own ways they craft their own gods. They worship their own idols. And we get so irritated with them, right? But I think if they could talk to us today, they would be like, you guys have King Jesus. <laughs> he lives in your hearts. You know that he actually came. We didn't know if he would actually come. Like, what are you guys doing? 
Why don't you have more faith? Why don't you believe? I think that's what they would say to us. You know, we get tired of waiting on God's timing and his plan, so we go buy things when we don't have the money for them, and then we get in all of this debt and blame the credit card company, you know, or the fact that we don't make more money. We settle for a man or a woman that doesn't love Jesus because we're lonely and we're sick of waiting. But yet, five years down the road, we end up in a divorce and we wonder how we even got there because we don't wait on God's timing. We cheat on a test because we don't actually want to put in the work that it requires and then we get found out and kicked out of school and we blame our teacher but it's just because we got sick of waiting and we didn't want to be patient and do the work it required. We make compromises at our jobs to get ahead because we don't want to wait on God to be our promoter and we end up getting fired and possibly even going to jail for making decisions that, that are ungodly. I think any time we take matters into our own own hands simply because we get impatient, it ends in disaster. I know it does in my life. Any time I take back the God card and I decide that I'm going to be God in my own life, I mess it up and then I really need a rescue, right? I really need him to bail me out. So what are you waiting for today? Are you waiting for physical healing for you or someone else? Are you waiting for a marriage to be restored? Kids, are you waiting for your parents to quit being so selfish and to realize how much they're hurting you? Are you waiting for a baby that you've been praying for? Are you waiting for a loved one to come to know Jesus? Are you waiting for a job promotion, a family, or maybe emotional or mental healing? We are all waiting for something. If I had you raise your hands, you would probably all say, I've been waiting for something or for something for someone else. And just like Israel wanted immediate solutions to their problems, we do too. And I will tell you that I would be lying to you if I said Jesus is only Savior. We we take out the part that he is a mighty God and that he can deliver in an instant, and I've seen him do it, right? I have seen him do miracles, but where we get stuck is, well, but God, you did it for them, but you're not doing it for us, and so I'm going to turn my back on you, and I'm just going to, I assume that faith doesn't work and that you really aren't who you say you are. In the waiting, we tend to make decisions and make choices about how we feel about God and, and what he can do for us based on what we can see. And it's not always on what we can, it shouldn't always be on what we can see. I've seen God do miraculous healing. I, I, um, When I was younger, my uncle is quite a bit younger than my dad, and he um, just had a call to ministry on his life and really just started acting that out at a young age. And so he would 
was very bold in his school and was always befriending those who needed Jesus. And so one time in high school, they took in a boy who didn't really was abandoned by his family. Um, he was blind, completely blind from birth. His eyes actually bulged out of his head. So people um, couldn't hardly even stand to look at him. Um, but they took him in and they loved him. And uh, I remember his name is Chris, and I, I remember um, that he went to youth group uh, one Wednesday night with my Uncle Ricky, and God told him, break your cane and you'll be healed. And he did, and he was healed. He went from not being able to see for 17 years to being able to see. So I know God can do miracles, right? I know that he is a mighty God who can heal in an instant. And I don't have all the answers of why it doesn't happen for anyone. I don't have the answers of why he doesn't do things in an instant. But what I do know is that often the quick fix doesn't last. It's just a band-aid. The only solution that God provides that lasts forever is Jesus Christ. And the fact that we, when we choose him, we get to spend eternity with him. That is the only thing that lasts forever. And the good news for us in this day and age, we don't have to go sacrifice animals in order to be made right with God right? We can willingly choose a relationship with our Heavenly Father, and we get to spend eternity with Him in heaven. That is our hope. We don't have to wait 700 years for a Savior. We have Him. Galatians 4.4 says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law. The Greek phrase for fullness of time actually means at just the right moment, so at just the right moment when God said, it is time, it was time. And so at just the right moment when it's time in your life, it will be time. But in the meantime, we get to choose how well we wait. We get to choose if we're going to be like the Israelites and start building our own gods. We get to choose if we start cursing God we get to choose how well we wait. I don't know about you, but the people I am drawn to the most are the people that wait well. The people that I am inspired by the most are those that are in their deepest, darkest suffering, yet they're still saying, God, even if you don't, I praise you. Those are the people that I want to spend time with, right? I mean, are you with me on that? It's in the waiting that our character is formed. Jesus wants you to know him for who he is more than what he can do for you. He wants you to know your healer more than he wants you to get your healing. He wants you to know his nature and character more than being a genie in the bottle for you. And we, we do have faith and we do believe that he is mighty to heal, that he is mighty to save. I know last night Julia's grandpa came up to me with tears in his eyes and he said, Kim, I get, was given my la last rites three times and I'm still here. And I know Julia has her own story that she shouldn't be here, but she is. 
God can do miracles. In Psalm 30, 20 through 22, it says, The Lord alone is our radiant hope, and we trust in him with all of our hearts. His wraparound presence will strengthen us. As we trust, we rejoice with an uncontained joy flowing from Yahweh. Let your love and steadfast kindness overshadow us continually, for we trust and we wait upon you. There is no other hope than the name of Jesus. In our waiting, there's nothing else that can satisfy. There's nothing else that can bring us joy. Everything else that would um, manifest itself as happiness in our life can go away in an instant. The only thing that lasts is the Lord. And even when he answers our prayers here on this earth, I know pain, I, I have had a terrible back for a long time. I have scoliosis and degenerative disc disease. So at the, in my 20s, I was basically told, you have a back of a 70-year-old, Kim. You know, so I walk in constant pain, and I believe that God can heal me because I've actually met people who God actually straightened their back. Like documented medical cases where God straightened their backs. So I know he can do it. And I could get in the place of my pain and be like, God, you just hate me. You're just picking on me. You've just forgotten me. But instead, I choose, even if you don't heal me, God, I worship you. You're still good. You're still mighty. See, even if he heals me right now, I'm still going to get old. Right? Even if he heals me, and I still pray every day that he does, but even if he heals me, I'll still die at some point. Right? Even if... Um, He gives me a financial miracle. I don't get to take any of that to heaven. You know, but, but all that he does, he does to point people back to Jesus. So when he answers prayers in miraculous ways, he does it because he loves us. But he also does it to point people back to Jesus. Lisa Turkhurst in her book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, says, God loves me too much to answer my prayers at any other time than the right time and in any other way than the right way. The second point is mighty God in the midst of our storms. So this is one of my favorite stories about just how mighty our God is. So the disciples have been with Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, and we see that They had been walking with him. They saw him heal many people. They saw him heal lepers and um, every disease. Like anyone he encountered that was sick, he healed. Anyone that was demonically possessed, he healed. He cast out the demons. Um, So they just witnessed him do all of these miracles, right? Like up close, in person, (laughs) witnessed Jesus do these things. So then they get on this boat to get away and it says in Matthew 8:23, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even 
the winds and the sea obey him. So here's just some observations that I have about this story and how it applies to our life. So the disciples had just been with him. They saw him do what no other man had ever done. They saw him deliver, um, heal, all of these things, and yet they get on this boat, and just a few minutes later, this crazy storm happens, and it is a crazy storm. Their boat is actually going under, right? And Jesus is asleep. Like, I would be frustrated too, And I do get frustrated when I feel like Jesus is asleep in my life. And then they come, Jesus, come on, save us. Don't you know we're about to drown? We're about to die. Totally forgetting what they had just witnessed him do. Totally forgetting what he's capable of doing. And so that's why he says to them, why are you afraid? Don't you know who I am? That I'm with you? See, I think so often when I get enveloped in fear, I forget that God is with me. Even when I can't feel him, even when I can't see him, he's in the middle of the boat, in the middle of the storm with me, and I don't have to do it alone, but I just want to sometimes. And then I get mad at him. But I think that then he's... Then it says, then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the seas. Like, hey, calm that down. You, winds, stop. You, sea, stop. And that's when they said, who is he? A mighty God that even the winds and the seas obey him. See, what, what Jesus was trying to get them to see was, we're in this middle of this storm, but you took your eyes off of the one who could deliver. You took your eyes off of me. You forgot who you were with. And I think Jesus today wants to say the same thing to us. You have focused on the storm that is surrounding you. You've focused on what is happening and the things that you physically see, but you forget who you're with that I am the mighty God, I am the one who can calm the storm. And so in the midst of our storms, our eyes have to be fixed on Jesus instead of our problems. Corey ten Boom said, look at the world, you'll be distressed. Look within, you'll be depressed. Look at Christ, you'll be at rest. See, God is not a God. Jesus is not a savior that he's just mighty over nature in our problems, but he is mighty in his love to rescue us. He did whatever it took to rescue us. He is mighty to heal. So believe for your healing because he's mighty to do that. He is mighty to restore. So if you're in a relationship that is broken, believe for healing and believe for restoration. He is mighty to set free. He is mighty to make whole and he is mighty to save. So the final point I want to make is he is mighty God in the midst of our sin. See, to me... The greatest mighty act Jesus ever has done was that he came to earth as a baby. He willingly came to earth as a baby where he would be despised, rejected, spat upon, right? 
And then he was crucified on the cross for our sins, not even for his own stuff, but for our stuff. And then he was in the grave for three days, and he went to hell, and he took the keys of sin and death back from Satan, and then he rose again on the third day so that we could have life and life more abundantly. That is the greatest, mightiest act that has ever been done, and he did it for you and for me. So when all of the hope seems lost, we should be having all of the hope in the world because guess what? Our lives will end at some point. But we have the greatest hope of all that we get to spend eternity with him someday because he paid a debt that he didn't owe. He did something that no human could ever do for us. See, I have to come to the realization in spite of all of the things that I see happening around me, all of the questions that I don't see that he's answering, all of the healings that I don't see him doing, and I have to come back to this place. If Jesus does nothing else for me than free me of my sin, then he's done enough. He's done enough. Like, I know Carrie, <laughs> Don, She's in heaven today with Jesus because he paid a price for her. Like that's the hope of glory that we have. And he meets us where we're at in our pain and our suffering. See, I can find other temporary solutions to fix my problems for most of them. Right? I can go to a financial counselor and have them help me map out a plan to to get me out of debt. I can, I can do some temporary things to help fix my problems, but the only problem that no human or myself has the power to do is forgive me and set me free. There's no other problem that I can go to anyone else. I can't go to a doctor and he do that for me. You can't come to Mel and I and us. We don't have the power to absolve you of your sins. We're humans, but Jesus Christ did it. And he's done it. And so only Jesus, only mighty God. In Philippians 2, 5 through 11, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here's the good news. At some point, everything will bow to Jesus Christ. Everything will bow before him.
And I want to show you just a really quick story of someone in our church um, who has experienced a mighty God in her life. Growing up as a teenager, I had a drug and alcohol problem. Um, as a young adult, I got married. Uh, I had a decent marriage until I got sick uh, around 2000. I was diagnosed as bipolar one uh, with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia. It led to a downward spiral. After the divorce, I, I went downhill pretty bad and hit rock bottom. Stacy Byram and I have been best friends since seventh grade. So she knew that I have been an atheist, a hardcore atheist, all my life. I was sitting in her chair at JCPenney's one day and she came in front, stopped cutting my hair and came in front of me and she said to me, do you know why I'm so happy? And I said, yeah, because you married Vance, because they had just gotten married the previous year. And she looked at me and she said, no, that's what everybody says. And she said, because I found Jesus. And then she jumped into her testimony. And for a change, I actually listened, because I had, like I said, hit that rock bottom place where there was nowhere to go but up. And her story really moved me. She asked me, would you be willing to go to a Wednesday night Bible study with me? I was like, Stacy, these people aren't gonna understand me. I, they're, they're not gonna understand me at all. I, I'm a bad person. I've done horrible things in my life. They're not gonna, they're gonna kick me out. What I experienced was completely opposite of what I expected. These women were curious and asked my story, so I told them, and instead of them giving you the typical, oh, I'm so sorry, and oh, it'll be okay, they actually listened, and I could tell they were truly listening. And when I was done, one woman said, there's a place for you here. And another one said, you're always welcome here. And at that point, I realized I was truly lost. I didn't have anywhere I belonged. And it was something I needed to hear really bad. Stacy said to me, leaving, how about coming to church with me Sunday while we're on a roll? Mel, I can't remember what the sermon was about. I just remember it felt like he was talking to my soul. I remember when he did his thing at the end about raising your hand for salvation. I raised my hand and I haven't looked back since. If you have a story to tell and a testimony, I beg you, please tell it. Share it with the world. Because it can really change somebody's life. So Stephanie and Stacy are sitting right up here. Wave your hands. Um, 
Stephanie so faithfully serves in our cafe, and I remember that Bible study so clearly. We were in this room, and I remember, I think Stacy had actually given me a heads up that you were coming, um, but I remember the look on your face of, like, terror, <laughs> like, like, is this place going to cave in on me? <laughs> and then I remember just the look on your face when you left. Yeah. Yeah, all of your social phobias. And, um, and there were probably, it was a bigger Bible study, so there were a lot of women here, but I want to tell you specifically, uh, there was a gentleman last night I got to pray with that he specifically said it was that video that made me come down here and pray. So, um, our stories are important. It's the mightiest act he will ever do for Stephanie is save her soul. Right? Yeah. You're still suffering in a lot of areas of your life, but you have hope. Her anxiety and her agoraphobia is gone. Praise God. Praise God. He is your healer. <laughs> Where we have to come to during this Christmas season and in every season of our lives is that we have to carry eternity in our hearts. Again, I know some of the pain that some of you are walking through right now and that you have walked through and you're still here and you still choose to believe. Because you carry eternity in your heart. It's your hope. See, the first Advent, and Advent is what uh, Christians would call a season of preparation and, and hope and remembering. And so the first Advent has already come and it brought relief to our sins. It's when Jesus came to reconcile us to God and he took power over sin and death and, we, and was raised from the dead. And so during this season, we choose to remember that Jesus already paid the price for us, that he already won the battle over sin and death. So we choose to thank him that we get to spend eternity with him. And then the second advent is that the season of waiting that we are all in. It is the hope that we are choosing to have right now that someday King Jesus will return and he will bring relief from our suffering. See, here's the good news. Just like the Israelites waited for the Messiah to come and save, we are now waiting for the Messiah to come back and rule and reign. And here is our hope church. Here is what we should be preparing our hearts for, that this life will not last. And one day, King Jesus, mighty God, will come back 
and he will say, sickness, bow. He will say, cancer, bow. He will say, death, bow. He will say, enemy, bow. And it will all get on its knees and say, you are King Jesus. It will all proclaim that he has the final word. He will rid the world of all pain and all suffering. For those of you, though, that don't live for him, today is the day you get to choose the mightiest act that he ever could do for you. It is our hope that there is a hope beyond the now. I don't know about you. I don't want to be here forever. I want to hope that my loved ones get to spend eternity in heaven. So we should have this awe and wonder of this mighty God that we choose to serve And Tim Keller, in his book, Hidden Christmas, we focused a lot on this book last year at Christmas time. And if you haven't read it, I would encourage you to get it. But he says, in the Bible, the people who actually saw and heard Jesus never reacted indifferently or even mildly. Once they realized what he was claiming about himself, either they were scared of him or they were furious with him or they knelt down before him and worshipped him. But nobody simply liked him. Nobody said, man, Jesus is so inspiring. He really makes me want to live a better life. If the baby born at Christmas is the mighty God, then you must serve him completely. See, I think we've lost it. We've lost the awe and the wonder because we are privileged in that we get Jesus. But when people physically saw him and they heard him declare, I am the Messiah, they either reacted super strong and like were angry at him, or they fell on their knees in awe and wonder that their Savior had come. And I had to ask myself, when is the last time I've done that? When is the last time that I've recognized that I serve a mighty God? When is the last time that my heart said, who else could save people from sin and death other than Jesus Christ? He is the hope of the world. He is our only hope. For those of you who don't follow him and you've questioned whether or not he's even real and lived maybe a life of declaring that he was non-existent like Stephanie, here's the good news. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. We'd just like everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I realize that 
All of us in this room might be sitting in one of the three points that I mentioned today, the first one being that we are in the midst of waiting on something. And we need to remember that he is mighty in our waiting and that he can produce things in us and character in us and hope in us that could never be produced in any other way other than in our waiting. The second thing is maybe you're in the middle of a terrible storm and all that you can see is the water filling your boat and it feels like you're absolutely drowning and there's no other answer and you need to remember today that he's mighty in the midst of your storm. And he's saying to you today, hey, look at me. Keep your eyes on me. I'm with you. I've got this. And then maybe you're in the third boat where you need to acknowledge that Jesus is the mighty God who can be with you and rescue you in the midst of your sin, that he is the savior of the world. And so I'm going to focus on that final one right now where you Those of you who maybe choose, or maybe you've lived for him once in your life, but you've walked away from him, you've let yourself become bitter and disillusioned, and you've chosen not to follow him, or maybe you've never chosen to follow him before and accept him as Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you'll just raise your hands today and you'll say, I need mighty God, I need a Savior today, I need to have relationship with Jesus. If you're in the room and you would say to yourself, I need Jesus, I need a Savior, would you just raise your hand? Yeah, I see you on the, I'll be on the right, yes, I see you. I see you on the left. Yes, I see you in the balcony. Amen. I see you in the back. Amen. Amen. I see you in the front. Everyone would just pray this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I choose you today. I need rescued. Forgive me of my sins. Be mighty God in my life. I want to follow you. I choose today to make you Lord. Thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for rising again so that I can be made whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, can we just give God... Scripture actually says that when just one comes to know Jesus, that literally all of heaven stands up and rejoices. So some of you that have loved ones in heaven, they just stood up and rejoiced that all of these people just came into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so if you made that decision today, we want to walk with you. We want to help you on your journey. You can text uh, the word salvation to 555-888. There's also a salvation card in the, back, in the seat back in front of you. If you could just fill that out. And we have Bibles at the info center for you. You can take that card to the the info center. 
but you get to spend eternity with Jesus, and that's pretty amazing. Um, But for the rest of you in the room um, that may be in the waiting and you need to remember that God is with you in the waiting, or maybe you're in the midst of a terrible storm right now, would you just be so bold to raise your hand so that we can see you and we can pray with you? Is there anyone here today that would just say, I'm in the waiting, I'm in the midst of a terrible storm? Okay, you see the hands around you. If you have someone next to you that's raising their hand, if you could just put your hand on their shoulder. You don't have to know what they're going through. But we're just going to declare over them that God will be mighty in their situation. God, I just thank you for all of these people that have their hands raised today, Lord. You know exactly what's going on in their lives, Lord. I pray that you would be mighty to heal, that you would be mighty to rescue, that you would be mighty to deliver. God, I pray that most of all, they would see that you are with them and that you have your eyes on them. You have not forgotten them. You have not forsaken them. Jesus, I pray that you would infuse them with hope. And that hope is in you, Jesus. Infuse them with the hope of the world today. In Jesus' name. And we just pray for mighty, mighty things to be done in Jesus' name today. Amen. Amen. Well, for those of you who, um, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward and some of our staff. And I just really want to encourage those of you who need prayer, who need to agree with someone, who just need to acknowledge, hey, I, I need to see Jesus in the midst of what I'm going through right now. If you would just come and agree with one of our prayer team members for whatever it is that you have need of today. I just want to encourage you to do that. There's power in prayer. There's so much power in it. And so I'm going to pray a blessing over the rest of you as you leave today. But then for those of you who would like to pray, I just invite you to come. God, I just bless everyone um, here today that you would go before them in their week ahead, Lord, that you would provide and just, God, that they would see you um, in everything that they do this week, God. I pray that we would be beacons of hope to a very lost and broken world today. God, that you would go before us, that you would be with us, and that we would feel your presence uh, all throughout our week this week, God. We thank you for these people. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this community. And Lord, I just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for those of you who aren't staying to pray, I just ask that you reverently um, and quietly um, step out. But we love you and we will see you next week.